Episode 148, The Adventure of a Lifetime. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. Each and every week, we bring you this podcast, Diving into Leadership Lessons. Our purpose is strictly dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today bestselling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. Today, we also welcome bestselling author Sean Hunter to the podcast with a remarkable story about his journey across America. So with that, gentlemen, it is great to uh, all be on the podcast together. Uh, it certainly is. Uh, Dale, it's great to be back with you. And if I get to do the honors for a moment, uh, Sean and I go back a while, and I'd like to tell the audience a little bit about Sean. Absolutely. Uh, Sean, uh, Sean is first and foremost uh, an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, idea developer, and I, and I think that that's very important. He's collaborated, and we first met many years ago, he's collaborated with hundreds of best-selling business authors, executives, and researchers to create learning solutions. Uh, his first company was Targeted Learning. That's where we first met one another. He hired me to do a, a satellite uh, teleconference uh, out of North Carolina, uh, and then that company, Targeted Learning, was acquired by Skillsoft in February of 2000, 2007. Then Sean and I got to work together again uh, at Skillsoft, where we did a series of videos. He's the author of Outthink and Small Acts of Leadership, and he's the founder and president of Mindscaling, a company dedicated to creating beautiful, intelligent online learning experiences based on the works of best-selling authors. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the program. Sean, my friend, it is great to see you. Jason, it's an honor. It's a privilege. As you know, I'm a big fan of you and your work, and that was a very generous introduction. And I'm also particularly grateful to be on your podcast talking about something a little bit different, uh, an adventure that we went on. So here's the uh, here's the setup. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Sean and I were having a conversation, and he started telling me about this journey that he took with his son across America on bicycle this summer. And I said, wait, stop. I can't stand to hear any more because I want to have you on the podcast because I want to hear all about it. So Sean, set up the story of how this bicycle trip with your son across America came to be. Well, so here's the backstory, which is 25 years ago, I did ride across the United States with a dear friend of mine. We were just out of university, and we cycled across the United States. It was a marvelous adventure, and we reflect on it often. And he called me two years ago, and he said, he said, Hunter, let's do it again. And I said, no, 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 you're crazy. You know, we, I've got three kids and a wife and a mortgage, and I'm trying to launch this and grow this business. This is crazy. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. We're going to take the kids. And I said, oh, boy, I, I need to think about that. And so that began a conversation that evolved over the next year and a half or two years in which we eventually did it. And it was, in the end, myself, my dear friend, John, who's known as Hobbit, and my friend, Eric. And we brought our four teenage kids. So I brought my oldest son. He was 16 at the time. And John brought his daughter, Annie, who was 17. And my friend, Eric, brought his two boys Owen and Ian, 15 and 17 years old. And we flew, you'll see to the map behind me, we yes. flew out to, to Seattle, Washington, here on uh, the West Coast. We unpacked our bikes, we assembled them, 
And we proceeded to bike across the United States. It took about two months. And it was everything that you might imagine it to be. It was arduous. It was beautiful. It was difficult. It was engaging. And that really was the point, to do something profound with our kids at this this moment of inflection that we have when they're both old enough and strong enough to do these things, but can't quite think of it. Now, so I'm ever the business guy. So uh, this is something that everybody in business would love to do. I frankly would have been afraid to do it because I I would have thought to myself, being away from my business for a couple of months, I'm going to lose all my momentum. Nothing is going to be happening. I I will be forgotten by the time I finish this trip. What were what were the practical considerations of of taking a couple of months out of building a company and doing this? I mean, what 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 did you weigh? How did you evaluate it? As my friend Eric, who's on the trip said to me at one point while we were going through these deliberations, he said, we will have many jobs and many projects and many things that we're working on, but we will only have one life. And in fact, he quit his job to do this. He works in a hospital and he asked for a leave of absence to do this and it was declined. His boss said, no, 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 you can't take that much time off. And so he resigned. That's how he committed he was to this trip. For myself, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I own this company and I knew that we have a powerful, robust team. And I had faith and confidence that with our existing customers and our existing team and my, you know, occasional (laughs) interactions from the road to keep it going, it was all going to work. But here's the interesting thing. The byproduct of this trip that I, the things I didn't anticipate, the doors and the windows that open that you never dreamt that would happen are. And so here, by way of example, as I, as I mentioned to you last week, I've started to incorporate some of the stories from this trip in my speeches and keynotes and workshops into my work. And people are really, really interested because the real. It's a very real experience that we went through. And I can speak from a place of deep honesty about the adversity and the gratitude and the hardship and the growth that we learned on the journey. Before Dale jumps in uh, with a couple of questions, uh, so how long did the preparations actually uh, take? I mean, pulling together the pack, planning the packs, what you were going to pack on your back and, and, and the bicycles. How, how long did the actual physical preparations take? My wife has a quote a, a couple weeks before I left on the trip. I was so preoccupied with the trip, of course. And she said, she said, I think you've already left. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is to say, you know, I was so involved in, you know, the shopping and the packing and all the things that we bought. At one point, my friend Hobbit called me and he said, he said, Hunter, we're not going to look like adventurers on this trip. We're not going like, to look like road warriors. We're going to look like L.L. Bean tourists with all this <laughs> new gear that we bought. Yes. Because <laughs> we, we had bought, you know, all this, you know, tents and rain jackets and bicycle gear. Um so the preparation was a lot of things, you know, that you want to accumulate to go take on the journey. And then you find that a lot of it's unnecessary. This is very common. You know, we, we, we overprepare, we overbuy, we overpack. And then in the end, you build efficiencies into the trip. You build efficiencies in how you interact with each other, your daily routines. 
there was a lot of discussion about the maps. You know, here again, this is the route that we took. Yes. Uh, over northern Idaho into Montana, down through a piece of uh, Yellowstone across South Dakota and the Cheyenne Reservation, Minnesota, Wisconsin, et cetera. But there are many, many conversations debating what route, because if you choose Yellowstone, well, you can't go to Glacier. I, I am a dad of two teenage kids, a boy and a girl. So your story has just completely captivated me. And I'm, tell us about the kids on this trip, their level of excitement or maybe absence of excitement walking into it. And then the trans transformation I'm sure you saw through the process. So I'll tell you one story that was quite poignant. There are several on this trip. The, the kids went into it either somewhere between kicking and screaming and ambivalent. The, the, at no time were they just gung-ho excited. <laughs> wow. And it, 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 it evolved over time. So th there was, and if, if my dear friend Owen is listening to this, he was the 15-year-old on the trip. There were moments when he was really complaining. He didn't like it. He didn't want to be there. But there was a moment we were at the base of the Bighorn Plateau. We're in the middle of Wyoming. We roll into this climb. It's taken 25 miles to get to the base of the climb. The climb is 12 to 14 miles tall at a 10 to 12 percent grade. It's extraordinarily arduous. It's almost 100 degrees. We're running out of water. And we get into this climb, and I'm not sure we can do it. I'm really, I'm really wondering, questioning if we can do this. And, and, and little Annie, who's on the trip, she's saying, Dad, I don't know if I can do this. And my son, Charlie, he's saying, why don't we flag down a truck and get a pickup truck to, to pick us up? And then it was Owen. We found some water. We found a fresh mountain stream. And we went down the mountain stream and we dunked our heads and we filtered fresh water into our water bottles. And Owen looked around at us one by one and he said, there's no way in heck that I'm allowing this climb to turn us back. I am, I am not riding 150 miles around the Bighorn Plateau just because this is too steep. I'm doing this, and you're doing this, and you're doing this, and we're going to do this right now. And it was Owen. He was 15 years old, and it was truly inspiring. It came from a place deep in the group. That strength came from the youngest member of, of the group, and everyone said, well, I guess we're going to do this. And we did. And it took six to seven hours of climbing to get to the top of the Bighorn Plateau. And I'll tell you, Annie Holloway led us almost the entire way. That is fantastic. Wow. Tell us about a couple of the other highlights of, uh, uh, of the trip, uh, of the experiences that you encountered as you made your way across America. I'll give you another one. One, once we got to Devil's Tower, Devil's Tower is in, is in eastern Wyoming, and it was remarkable. It's, you know, it's beautiful. It's Devil's Tower. And when we were there, we encountered some other travelers. One was a cyclist. His name was Linus. He was only 20 years old. He was from Germany. He had saved up for years to get enough money to do this trip across the United States on a bicycle, and he was traveling alone. But he said to us, he had started in New York, and he was heading west to the west coast. And he said to us, oh, you're going through South Dakota. You're not going through the reservation, are you? I, I was told not to go. I went around the reservation. I, I didn't take that road. Now, what he's referring to is in the middle of South Dakota is the Cheyenne Reservation. 
It spans 94, 96 miles west to east across. It's in the middle of the plains, hot, hot plains of South Dakota here. And he was cautioning us because everyone that he had met said, well, don't go there. And I said, well, why? And sure enough, as we edged closer and closer to the Cheyenne Reservation, as we get closer in the days to come to that proprietors, store owners, the hotel uh, managers would say to us, oh, no, it's dangerous. It's full of addicts and thieves and it's full of poverty and you shouldn't go there and you certainly shouldn't spend the night and you should keep an eye on your on your bikes. And so I didn't know anything about the Cheyenne Reservation. None of us did. But of course, with all these warnings and admonitions, we went into it a little wary, just a little cautious. You know, we weren't quite sure what to expect. The night before, we stayed at a little town on the west side of the Cheyenne Reservation. It's a little town known as Faith. And we woke up early the next morning, 5, 5.30 in the morning, to make this journey across the Cheyenne Reservation. And I will tell you that in every store, in every little town, we got more warmth, more happy honks from a horn, more cheering, waving people from cars. At one point, a Lakota Indian on a horse was on the side of the road, and he said, and he said, he beckoned us over and he said, do you have any water? And we said, well, of course, of course, here's some water. And he took a sip of water and he gave, tried to give it back. And we said, no, 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 keep it. But he, he knows how valuable water is out there in this expanse. And the last point I'm getting to on this journey was just full of mystical, beautiful uh, experiences. At the end of the day, the eastern edge of the Cheyenne Reservation is the Missouri River. And it's a very wide part of the Missouri River. It almost looks like a lake. And we're approaching the bridge that takes us out of the Cheyenne Reservation, out of South Dakota. And, and we're cycling on the side of the road, and there's no one around. And, and right before us, right in the road, this enormous Lakota Indian, he's got to be 6'4", six, 6'5", six, tall, jet black hair down to his waist. He's strong, and he's powerful, and he's striding directly towards us. And I'm thinking to myself, what, 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 what's going on? What, what, what's happening here? And so I veered. I, I, I was leading the group, and I led them to the center of the road to go around him. And he, and, he, and he changed his pace, and he marched directly at us. Not marched, really, but, but walked very intentionally at us. And he was holding something in his hands. And I stopped in front of him. We all stopped, of course. And he was holding a sprig of sagebrush. And he said to us, he said, my brothers and sisters, this is for safe passage beyond our land. Go in peace. Wow. Wow. Dale? I'm going through the leadership lessons of uh, just those stories that you've shared that leaders can come out of nowhere, that when you, when you go against the grain, the experiences you can have, uh, it's it's. What an amazing experience. Are you going to write a book out of this? What's the plan? What, what do you do with these experiences? Well, it's, it's, funny, you, it's funny you ask that, and, I, and I'll give you two short answers. The first it comes to, well, why, why did we do this? And that is because we all want our, our children, of course, but also our colleagues and our friends and our community members to have those traits and characteristics of you know, humility and gratitude and perseverance and grit and all these different things. But for a 16-year-old, you can't 
tell them to have perseverance. They have to actually persevere through something in, in order to understand what it really means. They have to actually have a moment of gratefulness to understand what gratitude is. So it was an experiential learning moment, that, that, that two months. And whether it was effective or not, you know, we'll see in the years to come. But to answer your question about what are we doing with this, so my friend John, who's on the trip, He's an award-winning photographer. He is travels all the world. He he's a, a fabulous, and he was taking imagery and video the entire trip. And and I'm a, a writer, and so we're conceptualizing a book, a book that tells the story in a way life lessons. Like these are the are the way that you can raise children in a way in which they experience real life and learn these traits that we all want them to possess. I, I was recounting your journey several days ago with someone, and they said, that's got movie written all over it. That's got <laughs> movie written all over it. Well, I, I'd pay anything to buy a ticket to watch a movie about that. Well, I, you, know, maybe, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I had a friend who sent me an email, and he said, you should write a screenplay. And I was getting on a plane, and so I thought, oh, that'd be fun. That'd be interesting. And so I got to play with that idea for a little bit. But to take it quite seriously, we do want to document all of this. Um, I, I was journaling the entire time. And here's another point about the journaling of the trip. Jason, I mentioned this to you recently. I started blogging about the trip from the beginning. A few days before we left, I, I, I let people know. I didn't even really announce it. I announced it to a handful of people on Facebook. But I didn't, you know, I just did it as a private thing to friends. And as I got, we got into the journey, it was after probably only the first week, I said to my friend Hobbit, I said, look, I can't write one more paragraph about another beautiful sunset or amazing view or a, a gorgeous mountaintop. You know, nobody cares. So I started writing about the reality, the, the tension, the difficulty, the journey, you know, what it was at times extraordinarily difficult. And I'll tell you, I brought a lot of honesty about the different characters on the trip and the kids and how we felt from day to day, because you're immersed with each other for two months, of course. And I'll tell you, that organically grew over the course of the trip. And by after a month, my friend Hobbit, he went to a little store and he printed cards because so many people kept asking, how can we follow the trip? You know, everyone that we meet at restaurants and convenience right. stores. So we started handing out cards. And so many people started following us. Most of them I, I didn't know. And they're really looking forward to the next piece of the journey. So there is there's that part of it that I very, very much enjoyed. And in fact, on some dimension, I miss. Did anything change about you because of this trip? Anything, uh, your outlook on life, just anything that, that you can look back at and say, I'm a different person in this way. I lost 20 pounds. <laughs> um, well, seriously, uh, I'll, I'll say this. And this happened probably around day after about a week or so when we were on the on the trip. Because every day was unexpected, unusual, non-habitual, the only habit we had was that we wake up together as a group and break camp. Everything else, every single day is unknown. Where you go, the weather, who you're going to meet, the scenery, the experiences, the whole thing is brand new. And because of that, because of the intensity of experience, 
each day is both in eternity. It like it stretches on and it's so rich. The texture of the days are so incredibly rich and it's immediate. It's like gone. So for example, we were in Yellowstone and after about two and a half weeks, we got to Yellowstone and we stayed at a ranch there. It was a big treat to ourselves. We'd planned it. We booked at this ranch. We took the day off. We went fishing. We went hiking. It was wonderful. But we'd say to each other, we, we had dinner together and we say, oh, remember, remember back in Idaho when we were up on Tanner Ridge or remember when we were in Yakima Valley coming down the east side of the Cascades, the east side of Mount Rainier? And we'd all look at each other and sh- we'd say, that seems like a century ago. That seems like forever ago. That seems like a year ago. And it was only like two weeks ago. Because each day is so dense, is so rich. Uh, top three leadership lessons or top three lessons that, uh, you know, ever the business guy, I can't help myself. T- top three leadership lessons that, that you walked uh, away from this with. Well, the first one, is something that I've been writing about recently, which is, and you know this better than anyone, Jason, that beyond, you know, positive or negative motivational factors, you know, uh, between incentives or coercion, sometimes if you change the environment, you change the situation, you change the experience, you can get different behavioral change, you can accelerate your learning, you can change who you are. And so one of the big lessons to me was, you know, here I've got a kid who just turned 17 years old, and he's at a very, as you know, self-independent kind of age. And again, how am I going to get him to learn these things that I want him to learn? Put him in a different situation. Put him in a place where he needs to learn these experience, these things on his own. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll give you another one. Another one is that sometimes the... Um, you you are capable of much more than you think you are and everyone is everyone is much capable of much more than they think they are and often before the trip people would say to us i could never do that i can't do that how is this possible how do you find the time and in the end of course it's a choice it's it's simply a choice and you do it one small step at a time to get from point a to b or to solve some problem, or to overcome some obstacle, etc. And and in terms of relationships, uh, final question for me for right now. Uh, uh, in terms of relationships, by the end of the trip, did all the fathers get closer to the children? I mean, presumably that's a desired outcome. Well, this will lead me to like leadership lesson number three, okay. which is, and I wrote about this as well. We were probably somewhere in the middle of Michigan on one of their beautiful bike paths that go across. You can go all, all the, almost all the way across Michigan only on bike paths. It's gorgeous. And so when you're out of the traffic and you're on these gorgeous bike paths, you have time to move among the group. You know, you have hours you're on a bike. And so my friend Eric and my friend John, we'd get into long conversations, and we started to pose this question. And the question was not what are the kids learning, not what are we learning on this trip, but what are we learning from our children? What are our kids teaching us? And to answer that question, everyone had a different answer. I'll give you Eric's answer. So Eric is my friend. He's a, he's a physician's assistant. He's highly disciplined. He's, he has 
a lot of rigor, punctuality in his life. He's, he's extraordinarily competent. So he has lived his life very, very, very punctual, capable, you know, very type A. However, the thing is, Eric has teenage boys, and these teenage boys do not always abide by his rigorous schedule. I mean, they'd screw off in the morning, and they wouldn't pack their tent, or they wouldn't set it up in the evening, or they didn't want to leave. And, and he, at first, was very insistent about getting their compliance, getting them to adhere to his will, bear, you know, under his yoke. And after a couple of weeks, he said to me, they're teaching me to relax. They're teaching me to allow this trip to unfold the way it wants to unfold. See, there's a difference between a trip and an adventure. A trip is something you plan. You know when your flight is, who you're going to meet, what you're going to do, what the agenda is. Trips are great. They're very intentional. An adventure is something that unfolds on its own, on its own merit. And so he was learning. He was telling me that he was learning from his kids to let things happen. And here's the crazy thing. He didn't just say it. He didn't just say, oh, I'm learning from my kids to allow the trip to unfold as, or the adventure to unfold. He really did. He would he, we'd stop somewhere and he'd take a nap uh, on the lawn. And then we'd say later, hey, Eric, uh, it's time to go. And he'd, he'd sort of rub his eyes and say, oh, OK, I guess it's time to go. And I'd say, oh, Eric, we're going to take Route 12 uh, over to Olivia, Minnesota. And he'd say, oh, okay, I guess we're going to take Route 12. And he truly let go. He was transformed to the extent that we, by the second half of the trip, we were all calling him Obi-Wan. <laughs> I love it. So where is there a place? I've seen a few of the uh, photographs. They are just breathtaking. Uh, is there some place where people can read the blog, access the blog, look at some of the pictures? Yes, please. Uh, the, the letter C, the number two, the letter C17. So it's C2C17. Yes. As in as in coast to coast 17. Yes. Dot dot WordPress dot com. That WordPress dot com. All right. C to all right. C to C 17 at WordPress dot com. Now, uh, Sean, I have to ask you to do one other quick little thing for me, yeah. and, and that is this. Dale and I go out of the way. We, we never pitch anything. We never sell anything. I mean, I invite people to buy books, and we'll mention your book again at the end. Uh, but but it, it would be a blowing opportunity, not to mention the course that we recently did together at Mindscaling. Do you want to take a moment and talk about that? I'd be delighted. I mean, I'm honored to be on, on your podcast, and the course that we produce together is, of course, about your content. It's called The Pillars of Leadership. We developed it in next generation beautiful technologies. It holds all of the key elements of your great thinking among your best-selling books, and we're delighted to share it with the world and produce it with you. And so where can people get a taste of that or, or sample some of that? If anyone goes to mindscaling.com, mindscaling.com, yes. You can find it there. You can see some previews. You can inquire about it. We'll set you up for trial access. You can call with questions. I, it's, it's extraordinarily powerful. And we designed these courses to drive and cascade change throughout the organization. People who couldn't attend your speeches or don't have access to these kind of really powerful learning opportunities, they can get it from mind scaling. 
And uh, I want to point out to everybody that's MindScaling, one word. So it's MindScaling.com. And there's a whole bunch of great courses that Sean has created and produced there. Uh, Sean, I just want to say thank you for having been with us. I, uh, your stories keep me on the uh, edge of my seat. I want to see a keynote speech done by you devoted entirely uh, to this journey. I, I, would, I would be sitting on the edge of my seat at rapt attention uh, to hear that speech. And I still think there's probably a movie someplace. I think it's a great idea. And I think that you've gotten every father and mother uh, imagining doing some kind of an adventure with their child. So thank you very much, Dale. Absolutely. I just echo that and an inspiring conversation. I look forward to uh, incorporating the, in, the adventure uh, into the lives of, of the Dixon family. So thanks for that. And hopefully the same for our listeners. Great. Thank All you, right. Dale. Absolutely. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. And with that, Thank you both, gentlemen, for uh, your time. We're going to do a quick bit of housekeeping for the podcast listeners and remind you that Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today calls one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. You can find out how to arrange to have Jason keynote your next event or leadership conference and learn about his fees and availability. Check out the website, jason-jennings.com, and be sure to click the contact button Jason would love to hear from you. By the way, while you're online, out and about, would you drop in to jason-jennings.com slash iTunes? Be sure to subscribe to the podcast right there. And while you're at it, leave us a rating and a review. Hopefully we have earned those five stars from you. Find a way to bring some adventure into your week. Also, don't forget to pick up Sean's book. It is Small Acts of Leadership. You can find it anywhere books are sold. G. Sean Hunter, Small Acts of Leadership. Have a great week. This is The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.